Today we're covering Season 4, Episode 4, by Cephaly. I'm Nina. I'm Lotha. And we're your hosts. And we don't know what bicephaly means. I looked this up and I forgot and it's going to haunt me now. <laughs> you know what? I feel like it's something gross. Like, oh, I think it's like two fetuses growing together. No. And maybe one taking over the other and killing each other. That is so clearly made up. Ugh. No, I really feel like it's a thing. You know what? That's what Twitter has oh, become for us. Well, actually. A place where our listeners correct us very kindly. You're not necessarily wrong. Yes! Not necessarily. Guys, it's happening on air. The dictionary definition is, like, yeah, it's, an, oh my god, how are you right about this? It's like an embryo that doesn't split po- uh, properly, and therefore the condition of having two heads. That's what Wiktionary says. I knew I was a bio major for a reason. Well, I'm glad that paid off. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm sure that thread connects somewhat. Obviously. I mean, um, we'll talk about that ad nauseum after we go through the episode, which is more complicated, I think, than first realized. The Netflix synopsis is incredibly simplistic. Kreese brings Terry back to Cobra Kai, but his former partner isn't interested in repeating history. Johnny grows envious of Daniel mentoring Miguel. And no mention of all the, like, 15,000 other subplots going on. There are a lot of subplots going on. There's a lot of, like, character beats that, like, show up in different character arcs, if that makes any sense. Yeah. They're, like, all cylinders were firing on this episode. Um, Yeah. Okay. The storyboarding must have been crazy. Um, But we do open up with uh, a bunch of middle school kids visiting a high school and it's weird because the teacher who's leading them on this tour seems like he's trying to sell them on the high school, which is like, I don't think if you're a public medical, middle school student, you get a choice in what high school you go to. They're just going to go like one here. of those New York magnet schools where like you're, you have to apply to get into them. I don't know. Did you ever have a field trip to the high school? Never. No. It was just like, you're going to go next door. Yeah. To like, a much larger school. Right. That's just how high school to. works. Yeah. But instead this like... Teacher is telling them that, oh, well, we used to have a state-of-the-art science facility until, of course, because of the karate riot, like, they couldn't have anything that could be used as a weapon, which, but still, odd, that scene. Yes. Um, We'll never get to meet all these other middle schoolers, except for Kenny. Yeah. uh... So Kenny flirts a little bit with his his junior high crush, then goes to the bathroom. What's her name? Leah? Yeah, Leah. So I I think Leah is definitely an alley in that she actually talks to boys yes kind of so crazy way yeah i know she Um, kind of initiates the the flirtatious banter so you know way to go kenny um he goes into the bathroom and who is there but bert and nate our baby bullies i know it's so great because i remember when they were just like little pipsqueaks and now they're like bullying all on their own um and like nate has this like odd running thing for this episode where he's talking about a a junior he'd like to a, a jilf a really jilf. yeah it's not a thing nate okay stop trying to make jilfs happen right it's not gonna happen come on nate but yeah they they see kenny wearing his cobra kai t-shirt and they like uh they do the burton nate version of trying to like hassle someone um i think yeah. Bert calls him a wico or something which is what? you know i feel like kenny's kenny's getting a terrible impression of asians Every Asian he meets bullies him. <laughs> Nate, not you too. Yeah, right, Nate? You were supposed to be better, Nate. You were supposed to be one of the good ones. <sighs> but, you know, like, Kenny's also, like, getting to become, like, more aggro by the day because, you know, these 
these guys are like kind of making fun of his t-shirt or some or something like that and then Kenny like you can see him seething you can see him flashing back to that that other Asian Kyler like kicking his ass and he's like ready to go at them and then like Hawk kind of swoops in and I'll say in this interaction like Hawk does not seem like a bully Hawk seems like he's trying to prevent something from happening and what he says is like do yourself a favor kid get out of Cobra Kai while you can which isn't necessarily a threat. I don't know. I sort of got like maybe it's something about the way that Hawk smirks at people, but like I immediately got a flash of season three Hawk, and I'm like, I don't know if you can ever really quite outrun that. No. It's just... I mean, later in the episode, like when he he interacts with Kenny again, he does seem like bully psycho Hawk again. But like here, I was like, okay, maybe he's like learned to thread the line between like being you know a, a total bully and just being a dude who's like trying to stop a weird bathroom fight um <laughs> yeah so it's not a rumble quite yet but you can see that like that now we have kenny coming into contact with some yagi does and they are no nicer to him than you would expect cobra kai's to be yeah um so do you want to do you want to talk about the dojos yeah let's talk okay. about the dojos okay, the two so. dojos at war right um so we're back at miyagi do casa daniel and poor Johnny is, I feel like this whole episode, he's just consumed with jealousy because he's trying to train the kids, but really he's just sort of distracted by the fact that Miguel is, his attentions have been diverted. Mm-hmm. Miguel has a new fake father in his life, and it's Daniel. How do you feel about Miguel's emotional unfaithfulness in this? <laughs> he's out there, he's not eating manwich. No, he's eating sushi with Daniel. He's getting driving lessons from Daniel. He's listening to Peter Cetera. Oh, God, that's No, crazy. no, no, he's just, yeah, yeah. Um, and Christopher Cross. Oh, um, God. Sometimes, I mean, like, if it were anyone else but Daniel, do you feel like it's a manipulation on Daniel's part? <laughs> like, it really is, like, I get that Miguel is, like, a charismatic karate son, and anyone Every, would... Everybody everyone, wants him as the karate son. Everyone is trying son. to fucking teach him how to drive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for a kid. Look, like that. Miguel was like a sweet, adorable kid. I would want to teach him how to drive. You know, like he's great. Yeah, I and mean, it's not like there's Anthony. You know, just begging to be right. taught how to drive. No, I mean, who wants to teach Anthony how to drive? That would God. be a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. Or Penis Breath. Who's going to step up and be Penis Breath's karate father? Oh my God, that's so sad when you put it that way. He doesn't have one. At least not no. that we see. I mean, these, maybe these it'll other be Terry Silver. Just dog meat. Like everything fades away, and it's it's true. Like it's just. There's a dojo full of these parentless kids. These also reigns. Yeah. They're all focused on Miguel. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Miguel's like the star and Miguel is genuinely like, he manages to, yes, be emotionally unfaithful and get a second karate father. But like, you know, when he talks to Johnny about it, he's just so like, oh, what's the problem? No, I, I can like soft 80s rock and Rady's hair metal. No, you can't, Miguel. You can't. This is one of those things where like, I got the feeling like, Miguel and Johnny are at that stage of the relationship where Johnny's all in. And Miguel is like, he's got one foot out. He's looking at other mentors. He's looking at college. Ugh. Karate's not as important. It doesn't matter if he eats his manwich at one man's house or another man's God, house. God, Miguel. No, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's monstrous to watch, but there you go. I mean, you know, one could say, are we being a little unfair to a fatherless child who finally has some, some parental figures in his Again, life? Again, he has no. a son who desperately wants a father, but you know what? It's okay, Robbie. <laughs> I mean... Look, I want to say, actually, that there's a lot of parallels made between Daniel and 
Johnny and Miguel in this episode about like having missing fathers and things like that. There's a lot of that. But you know what the biggest parallel is? Both Johnny and Daniel have real sons and they prefer Miguel to their real sons. <laughs> like that's, that's just it. Which, I get it, Miguel's great. But um, what's interesting about this whole like Daniel, Johnny, Miguel thing is that um, Johnny later has like some scenes with Carmen, Miguel's mom. Oh god, and, that was agonizing to watch. Ah, uh, yes. Johnny is very like perturbed and so he just can't get it up. Um, and... Oh, God. So Carmen and he are talking about that. And it's weird. Their conversation basically, like, kind of ends in this place where it's like, oh, well, the reason that there's this distance between you and Miguel is because you haven't told Miguel that you're you're banging his mom, right? Although that doesn't seem like the, the cause. The cause is Daniel, right? We've established this already. It's a very weird scene because, I mean, Carmen, I can't believe how kind of ignorant she is or she's willing to steal meds from the hospital to help Johnny with his problem. But it's kind of tragic, right? Because Carmen, it's it's like she can't get the hint. It's not, it's not going to help. I mean, Johnny doesn't want to watch Top Gun with her. He wants to watch Top Gun with Miguel. Okay, you're making it sound very sordid when you put it that it way. It is a little sordid in that he can't make an emotional attachment to an adult woman. <laughs> okay? It's just he's... I mean, yeah, no, the truth is it's like... He doesn't want to be a boyfriend. He wants to be a fake father. But that's that's fine. And he... I think it's interesting because, like, when he was hanging out with Allie, I'm going to bring back, oh. invoke the specter of Allie here. He was hanging out with Allie. It's not like he brought up Miguel. I mean, he brought up enjoying being a sensei and, and, and what he does now. But, like, him and Allie had, like, a more of, like, an adult relationship talk or, like, they just seemed like two equals. Whereas I almost feel like around Carmen... Johnny regresses in some way, and not putting this on Carmen. I'm just saying, it's almost like he's working out all of his father-son issues through Carmen and Miguel. And yeah, I don't I mean, know if it's good for him, really. I mean, I feel bad for Carmen that it's like we've said this before, but it's like, man, do you guys ever have a conversation that isn't about Miguel or Johnny's to, issues? Yeah, like, she just wants to go on a date and like, right? Do normal stuff. I'm like, look, we said this thing in our last episode where we were like, you know, Miguel and Sam. They seem fine, but they seem kind of like the couple that dates until they break up when they go off to college. And, like, in a similar sense, Johnny and Carmen seem like they live really close to each other and they find each other attractive. Yeah, right? but I think this this episode seems to hint that, I mean, Carmen is not treating it like it's a... I think she is serious about Johnny, and it, that's what makes it tragic. Oh, yeah, like they're because they're talking about telling Miguel and when they should take Miguel uh, tell Miguel about it. And they have this, like, nice thing where... Um, God, Daniel does the ultimate sin and shows Johnny's karate son Top Gun. And, you know, um, of course, Johnny identifies deeply with Iceman. We all um, do, really. I mean, don't we, right? And, you know, it's, it's, I, I think that that's the ultimate betrayal. Maybe not on Miguel's part. Miguel didn't know any better. Miguel didn't know how important Top Gun was, but certainly on Daniel's part. I feel like he's just really ramped it up in the last two episodes. He's getting, like, Daniel's putting that headband on him and, like, he's... Teaching him how to drive. Basically, I mean, there's a scene where Daniel is teaching him how to drive, and then, like, he he's he's introducing him to sailing by crisscross. But then he talks about, like, 
not having a dad and how Miyagi like showed him that like he could still have a dad even if his real father wasn't in the picture and I'm like Daniel this, this kid already has a fake father I know and the way that Daniel was looking meaningfully at Miguel like I could be your dad you know like the subtext cease to be subtext anymore right and I'd also like to say uh we don't often bring this angle into it but I don't think you should be a surrogate father to your daughter's boyfriend. And here's why. They're in high school. They are going to break up. And then that's going to be weird. So don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like that's sort of like culturally accepted, like when they marry into your family. Although I'm... Right. Sure. He's know. like the... He is actually your son-in-law but then. But these kids are 16. Like... Yeah. What are you going to do when Sam's like, I hate him and never want to see him again. Right? Which... It, come on. They're teenagers. It'll happen eventually. It'll... That... you, Yeah. There's only heartbreak there. Um, maybe even more so than, uh, you know, Johnny dating his mom, which I realize is also sort of awkward. I'm really looking forward to how they're going to, like... I, I, again, I want some sort of, like, like late-hour realization for Carmen when, you know, she confronts everybody. She's like, what is this twisted mess we're all in? Um, Just go on the apps, Carmen, and find someone to take you out. Like, this isn't working. Um, But uh, Miguel does talk a little bit about his actual dad in that scene, Um, you know, where he has never met him, we we learn, but he has looked him up, I guess, on Google or something and knows that he's in Mexico. But, like, his mom, like, won't really talk about it because she left, like, uh, when she was pregnant because his dad was doing something illegal. And... Daniel says this thing, which, dude, it's not a bad lesson, but he says it in the most Daniel way. Sometimes avoiding conflict is the best thing you can do, or the bravest thing you can do. The most heroic thing you can do. And it's just like, Uh, uh, we will see that come back, that theme at the end of the episode. Yeah, avoiding conflict, like not telling your wife you went to Okinawa. (laughs) 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 Truly heroic, Daniel. Right? Well done. Um... Yeah, it's strange. Um, So I feel a little sad for where kind of Miguel and Johnny's relationship is at. Like, they're just not communicating. And I don't think it's because Miguel doesn't see him as a karate father or a real father. It's just like, I think he's finally growing up. He doesn't seem to think of it as this big existential question about which father is the right father for me. He's just like, he likes hanging out with both of these, these people and he gets something out of like both of these relationships. I understand that. And meanwhile, uh, Johnny's actual son, lest we forget, Robbie, he has his own, like, interesting, like, God, I never thought I would say Robbie has an interesting plot. I know. But and he it, does. it took, it's kind of interesting. It, it took us what, three and a half seasons to respect Robbie a little bit. To finally warm to him, to yes. To finally warm to him. And sure, the haircut is like 95%. It's 95%. It. The other but 5% is Kenny. He's like, just, yeah. And and maybe because he's so pulled back. Do you want to get to the scene with Robbie and, and Johnny? Yeah. Um, let's, well, I mean, we yeah we have to get there like in a almost circuitous way. Where like we have uh, we have like Robbie training Kenny, and Kenny tells him about that encounter with the, those Miyagi does at the school, and you know Robbie's like Robbie's concerned about it, and like again, I feel like giving Robbie a chance to like play off this kid. Like, he is the best I've ever seen him. Maybe I just got tired of seeing, like, Robbie, like, 
with Johnny, like, being like, shut up, Dad, or, like, with yeah, Daniel Patrick, being like, shut up, fake Dad. Maybe it's almost it's... like you couldn't find the right character. Like, remember how we said we never quite bought Robbie as, like, this hardened street bully hanging out with 40-year-olds, stealing tires <laughs> no. or whatever? It just didn't fit. And then when he was, like, a petulant teen, it got that got a little tiresome, too, because there's really only, there's not too much you can do with that. Yeah. Kind of is... like how Kyler is one note. Like, we'd love to see his, like, struggles with his dad fighting about it. No way. No way. Kyler's one note is perfect. It's a perfect note, but, Uh. like... I don't know. It somehow just doesn't work for, for Robbie. And I feel like finally Robbie's just like, Robbie not giving a shit. Right. It's a good or, look for him. The thing is, it's like he's trying not to give a shit. And for once, I think it's true, he gives less of a shit about all this, like, th- these daddy issues than, like, he did in previous seasons. But you see, he really gives a shit about Kenny. He likes the kid. He's protective of him. Um, and, like, he shows him, like, a little Miyagi-Do stuff about balance. And this is when, like, Terry Silver, who is... You know, has been introduced formally by Kreese as the new sensei at the dojo. Like, Silver walks in, and this is when the scene is very strange to me. Like, Silver asks, like, Kenny to take a hike, and then he basically challenges Robbie to a fight. Terry smile is, like, smiling the entire time, which is, like, pretty good and creepy, but, like, I don't know, man. You tell me, but I didn't really get this scene. Like, they... Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Maybe it doesn't surprise you, but I miss coked out Terry Silver. Because coked out Terry Silver saying a man can't stand, a man can't fight, that's chilling. I mean, it's great to have like that. Here, it almost felt like, you know, and they did this. They like included a bunch of Karate Kid Part 3 flashbacks, which was amazing. But, um, you know, the character of Terry Silver, like he's. You can't quite see where he's going. He's you know? a little like, all what, over is, the place. what is he doing with Crease still? Like, there's still so much unanswered. Um, and so, with when he's looking at Robbie, it's like, okay, I'm I really taking... don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, I mean, I did get the sense, like, I did. I was wondering, like, oh, is he just gonna like get him roughed up like he did with Daniel and have him like punch a bunch of boards and with a picture of Mike Barnes, you know, <laughs> staple to him. Um, but it's like, Robbie's not fighting a person, because Miguel, it's like his anger towards Miguel, Miguel is not really around that much. He's just kind of like, I don't know, cold and... And he's a little bit like, okay, so this old guy just challenged me to a fight. That's weird. And, you know, he seems like, it's, it's fine, but then, like, Terry says something to him, like, we're like... You know, you've learned to channel your anger, but you still have so much fear in you, and you gotta take that fear and confront it, and like... Look, I don't practice karate, but I really don't know how you got that out of, like, that sparring match. Like, yeah, that's it's, a lot it's, to get like out of it. Yeah, it's like they're still trying to figure out what Terry Silver is doing and what his motivations are because it was literally the last episode where old Terrence had died and Terry is back. Right, and, like, now we've got... I mean, oh, man, since we're talking about Terry, can we skip ahead to the... This was my evil plan all Ugh. along. Well, there is a Terry increase scene uh, closer to the end of the episode where... Now, we got to talk about the dojo war first. It all leads into that. But I will say that, like, I, unlike you, kind of liked that this episode, not in this scene particularly, but this episode featured, like, a more sensible and logical Terry Silver than coked-out Terry Silver. Well, yeah. I mean, I miss... I enjoy coked-out Silver more, but I think for the character and kind of what they're trying to do this season um, and, like, playing him off of Crease, it's very smart. Yeah. It's very smart because it is, like... Crease's war metaf- me- metaphors sound extra insane, 
when you look at Silver, it's just like, eh. Silver's a put-together guy with good yeah. hair, you yeah. know? And he's like, okay, come on, calm down, buddy. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so that's like, oh, yeah. But, like, we get to, we get, with the Robbie plot of this episode, like, Robbie goes over to Johnny's apartment ostensibly to tell him that, like, you know, that the eagle does or whatever we call them are harassing Kenny and they need to lay off of him. Um, and it's an interesting conversation that, like, John, you know, Johnny's just like, nah, you gotta, like, stay away from Crease. He's a bad influence. And I think Robbie is honest when he says, like, no, you put all your trust in Crease. That's your problem. I don't trust anyone, which is actually I a heartbreaking love, thing. I love that because it is, I don't know if they course corrected from the season finale um, with Robo Robbie, like, um, I don't know what happened that summer with Robbie, like if he looked inside of himself. Because we were debating in, when the, the season four opener, you know, is Robbie like actually under Crease's influence? Does he just need a place to sleep in the dojo, which I presume is still continuing? Right. Which is insane. A little bit. Honestly. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I also don't think he goes to school. So is what does Harry he do Silver all day? like checking into the Sheridan? And <laughs> yeah. he's just like. Like, he's running this dojo with Crease, but he's like, I don't care if you sleep here. <laughs> like, I, so many questions. But anyway, yeah, I like that Robbie is just like, I just want to win this fight. Right. But I wanted to ask, like, does that make sense? Like, he says he doesn't trust anyone. He's just using Cobra Kai to get what he wants. What does he want? I mean, the interesting thing about this is that, like, I never bought that, like, Robbie really wants to win this tournament that badly. Like, why would he? Like, it doesn't seem like it's really... His interest. And oh, the, it's like a sense of honor or whatever. He, like, promised at the the end of last season. It's like, I mean, he's lying to himself in that it is a way to get back at his dad. Yeah, I mean, it is a way to get back at his dad. But, like, again, what's great about this season is, like, you see the thing, the thing that Robbie seems to really care about, actually, is, like, mentoring Kenny. And that also has to do with, like, the weird relationship that he has with his dad and other mentors in his life. But, like... That's what you see is actually the thing that matters to him, like, a lot more than, like, winning a tournament. So it is, like, a strange... It is, but you know what? Robbie's a teenager. Maybe he doesn't understand his own motivations that well. Like, winning this thing is a thing to do for him. And, you know, he also... I just gotta say this, because I think it, this is one of those things, like, that is very hard for me to grasp. But, like, Johnny just says something like, look, you already got kicked out of school. Come on. Like, you know, be careful. And... Rob, Robbie says this thing where he's like, look, Miguel started the fight. I was trying to break it up. Yeah. It's like... Um, yeah, I mean, I like that there are no perfect narrators, right? Yeah. Maybe that's the point. I, I guess so, but I'm like... I was like, almost like, is that true? I'm like, no, nah, I think they were both trying to break it up. It was their, like, girlfriends who were, like, trying to kick yeah. each other's asses. But whatever. Um, he does, like, end this with basically identifying that his biggest fear is turning out like his dad, which is... I'll say again in this, and like I, maybe we can just come out as Team Robbie in this. Like I feel like it's happening. Yeah. But like in that scene, you know, I, I was like, not the surprise maybe that Johnny just quickly was like, "Well, that's all you have to say, bye." And I'm like, "You're the adult, you know? Right. You're, you're like, you don't try at all with Robbie. No, you, you know? don't. And R- Robbie is like, all of this coldness you're getting from him is like accumulated rejection, right? Like from a lifetime of you rejecting him. And, like, this entire episode, we just see, like, Johnny's headspace is completely consumed with Miguel drifting away. Mm-hmm. Um, and his own son is right in front of him. Right. And it's it's interesting, because, like, in previous seasons, like, you know, you see Johnny, like, reaching out, and, like, Robbie's like, fuck you, Dad. And it's, 
you know, Robbie's like such a little shit, like it's hard to really feel for him, but like you do hear. Maybe it's just the actor has just gotten good or something. But and you like... realize where he's at, right? His mom, who presumably has gotten out of this Lux rehab, like hasn't exactly taken him back. He's right, sleeping. he's still sleeping at the dojo. He's sleeping at the back of the dojo. Yeah, you got that. And then you've got like, oh, there's a scene where it's a great scene. I mean, you know, I love Kyler. Every that one note again, perfectly sung. We're like at the Cobra Kai dojo, like Kyler is like asking if everybody wants to do a drive-in movie and see Bloodsport playing. Yeah. And Robbie says like, you know, my dad used to have like a VHS tape of that. It was like around the apartment I grew up in. It was like the only way I knew he existed. And to that heartbreaking like revelation about Robbie's tragic past, Kyler says, okay, well the movie starts at seven, which I love. Just yeah, like, you know, no, you don't not get enough depictions in um, TV or movies about, like, somebody we all know, or, like, they're so self-absorbed that, like, nothing really interrupts their train of thought. Like, you can... <laughs> My since... dad died yesterday. Yeah, anyway, about Bloodsport. <laughs> since I am ever and always on Team Kyler first, I will say that is exactly how any normal person would react to, like... Like, dude, I was just asking if you wanted to see a movie. We're not, like, we're not in therapy right now, Robbie. God, but... You know, that's why I feel like Kyler should have kept dating Sam, because that's what would really break Daniel. Daniel keeps trying to get a Miyagi memory in, and he cannot finish the story. Right. Kyler's just like, <laughs> um, we're out of Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, so obviously I'm always going to love Kyler, although that was a very... Like, that's a, just, like, a sad little anecdote to drop into conversation, and he, he, he delivers it in, like, sort of a matter-of-fact way, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's a good Robbie episode, what the hell? I know, oh god, we're gonna keep going with Robbie, because, <sighs> like, look, why don't we talk about the drive-in? Yeah. Oh, so oh we wait. Get... Sorry. Oh, we gotta talk about Sam and Tori. Because it's all, guys, this is a really complex episode, all this Stay with in. us, stay with us, we will eventually bring it home. Where's home? I don't know. But home is a dojo. Home is a dojo mm -hmm. that we can't leave. Um, so, Tori and Sam. Huh. So, so, we learned that Tori has a new job. That Tori she seems, has 12 jobs. She has like 12 jobs, but she has one new one that she's like reluctant to talk about. Um, and she, we, the next time we see her, it seems like, you know, she's putting on red lipstick in like this, uh, this like backstage room with a bunch of other girls. And this, this guy comes in and tells her to put on more lipstick. And so obviously the implication is that like she's a stripper or something. The show wouldn't go that dark, mm -hmm. I don't think. Nah, not really. It's, it's like a, it turns out that she is a mermaid princess at a children's like birthday party. Like it's, it's, you know, it's one of those places yeah. like whatever the Chuck E. Cheese equivalent is, but with mermaid princesses. And in a ridiculously like thin contrivance, Sam happens to be at a child's birthday party that day. Yeah, some friend of some Amanda's unemployee at the car dealership's daughter's fifth birthday, and it's I'm like I'm glad you noted that down. I mean, it it works, I guess. But this is the episode where I'm like, okay, writers' room, they're officially changing the narrative. Like, there was enough of a consensus where like all of the team Tory people rose up, and they're like. Uh, we're going to show Sam at her worst. Hmm. And it happens. Um, so, you know, Tori's doing her mermaid thing. And I guess it's, ex like, a little embarrassing. No, but can I? No, I got to say. Okay. Um, because, like, Sam, like, lights up when she sees Tori. Because she's like, oh, haha, this is so humiliating for you. And Tori looks, like, so embarrassed. 
Nina, this is a cool-ass job for a high school girl to have. Like, she gets to look really cute in, like, a purple wig and, like, lipstick and stuff. Yeah. What, she gets to dress like a mermaid? Come on. I mean, I think it's sort of, it's saying, like, Tori's image is being sort of hardened and, like, this badass karate person. So, I mean, I mean, I think we as Stingray, you know, admire... Yeah, we would love to be mermaids. We admire these teens, you know? But, like, as a teen, maybe, like, it doesn't line up with her image. And, you know what, it's... Yeah. Well, Tori, fictional character Tori, don't be ashamed of being a mermaid. Be proud. Um, But yeah, like Sam's like sitting next to her while she's telling a story to a bunch of kids and is like trying to troll her. Not that well, actually. Yeah, it's 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 embarrassing how bad of a bully. Like, come on, you dated Kyler for all that time and you haven't figured out. He taught you nothing. Nothing I know. Nate and Bert are better bullies than you. It's like at some point, like. You know, like, when, you know, Tori's telling a story about, like, a princess, like, rescuing a prince, and, like, you know, Sam's like, oh, well, did she use weapons, like, nunchucks? I'm like, eh, that's not, like, a burn. She, like, actually, like, really hurt you with weapons. It's that's... extremely cringe. It's hard to watch someone bullying. But oh, and then insults her. bad bullying. I know. It's not well done. Like, it's kind of like, you know, Anthony. The LaRussos don't know how to bully no, anybody, No, and man. I feel sorry for them. I mean, because, like, Tori starts singing a song that's part of the act, and then, like, Sam kind of fake laughs and is, like, insults her singing, and it's like, her singing is actually fine. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, and the, you know, the interesting thing is, like, Sam has had it so good. Like, imagine that you're so revered by your parents that you feel comfortable, like, bullying another girl in front of your mom. I mean, like, most children would be like, you know, you got to keep that shit a little bit under wraps if you're a bully at school. I'm sure Kyler is a perfect angel at home. Yeah, no, Kyler knows what he's doing bully-wise. But, like, but to be fair to Sam, like, uh-huh. it's, yeah, come on. I'm not on team. Well, maybe I'm like, I'm just saying, this is a girl who actually, like, really caught like caused her severe bodily harm at school and then broke into her house and attacked her with nunchucks and i understand we're like kind of walking back from that that crazy ass tori a bit but like it's a little bit like i don't know like do you remember when like sam was actually like terrified of tori and now like she's like sitting next to her lobbing like honestly some pretty weak ass insults i don't I really that feel that was five episodes ago you gotta move on <laughs> Of a strange <laughs> dynamic, but okay. I got it's a I, new Tori. They're at the, they're in this place now. I if understand. If a man that can get over, why can't you? <sighs> but the only thing that I approve of in Sam's bullying is that when Miguel shows up, uh, apparently he was giving like Mr. Lurusso a, a ride as part of his driving lesson. Sam like sees him and immediately starts making out with him in front of Tori. That's good bullying, man. Like that makes more sense than like your singing sucks. Maybe if it weren't so obvious that like she was doing it, I don't know. Can't you tell when a couple's really into each other and when they're just phoning it in? Well, I mean, Sam and Miguel, just wait out the another episode, girl. I know, right? But the important thing is that Tori looks hurt. And storms out. And Amanda follows her. Wait, she gets glitter bombed. You forgot that. Oh my god, did I forget the glitter bomb? So, Tori is not going to take this shit lying down. She's at her job, but she finds a way to weaponize children and glitter bomb, uh, or the children glitter bomb Sam. Yeah, she convinces them that Sam is a witch who needs to be glitter bombed. And oh no, now Sam is covered with glitter. And I'm, again, I don't mind this scene or anything, but I'm just kind of like... 
Guys, remember when, like, you were, like, wailing on each other with actual weapons, and now you're, like, glitter-bombing each other, and, like... Yeah, it's a little, it's, it's a little classic high school, and it sort of pulls away from, kind of, like, the crazy conceit of the show, which is, like, stay crazy, guys. You know what? Pull yeah. out the nunchucks. Glitter-bombing? Right? This isn't Gossip Girl. Like, I don't care what <laughs> these shitty teens do. Like, yeah. let's keep it... Karate focus. It's a little. It's it's definitely pulling back from like some of those those crazy moments these two have had when you just are watching a girl covered with glitter like look really peeved, and then when you know Tori storms out because Sam's making out with her ex boyfriend. I guess like Amanda follows her, and again Amanda always manages to be sort of like sensible without like being a being like that much of a (laughs) buzzkill. Daniel, Um, you know she's just like. Hey man, sorry, but you can see why Sam is upset with you on account of the fact that you tried to kill her and stuff. Um, and but she's also like reasonable. She's reasonable about that, but she's not unsympathetic to Tori. Where she's just like, "Sorry, I know you're like in a bad sitch with your mom. You don't have to like act like the world is against you. You could like, you should be willing to ask for help." And I think that's like, just like a I don't know. I like that just because it's like a little bit like of a of a message without her like being like I'm there for you. Tori. Yeah, yeah, it's pulled back, but still maternal. And what I love about this is, like, Sam is losing her mom (gasps) and not even noticing it. You know, that's how it happens, man. man. Johnny losing Miguel to Daniel. I mean, yeah, Miguel and Johnny and Robbie and all could tell you stories, Sam. Like, it's really easy to lose a parental figure in this show. Yeah, Sam has had it just a little too good, Mm -hmm. you know? She's had two parents who love her, and Anthony's had none, okay? One of these days, we're going to get the Amanda Crease tory family, and then, oh, then be Sam will be le- sleeping at the back of the dojo. And that's where you go when your family stops <laughs> loving you. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I just really love that scene. Um, I really like Tori and Amanda scenes, so here, here's hoping for that secret family for Crease. One day. Um, so now, Mina, now we can talk about, like, the dojo v. dojo fight. Fucking finally. <sighs> so we're all at Bloodsport, the drive-in movie. Where, yeah, and God. Tyler's so pure, you know? He's right. just having the best time. He's just loving it. He's enjoying some guy getting punched in the nuts by Jean-Claude Van Damme, and haven't we all been there, right? It's so weird, because he has so much in common with Johnny, in terms of, like, this is the kind of thing. I could see them, like, drinking Coors and watching I'm this. watching Bloodsport, yeah. Yeah. But Johnny, don't think that you're limited to one fake son. You can have infinite fake sons like look at daniel he's had at least two by now Uh, (laughs) but yeah and meanwhile there's like this nice thing where like uh tori and robbie are actually in the same car together watching the movie and god they have a nice chemistry it's not like there's not a lot of effort to it it just seems like they seem like they're like friends Yeah, like whenever they were trying to make Sam and Robbie a thing, the entire thing was like, oh no, but you live here and you're part of my dad's dojo. Can we do this? And like, you know. As if you're Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and and of course, like, they just didn't have any glue. Whereas, like, you know, this kind of just makes sense Mm -hmm. in some sense. They seem like two people who sort of like, this is crazy, like each other's company or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Unlike any other couple in this show, right? really. Like, Carmen yeah. and Johnny looking at you. I know, right? It's like, <laughs> what do you talk about? But it's like, you kind of get a sense of what, like, Robbie and Tori talk about. And anyways, like, he just, you know, he's just asking if she's okay. That's all. It's a nice little, like, moment. Um, Kenny's, meanwhile, running around taking all the Cobra Kai's orders because he's the new kid. They're hazing him. Um, I wrote this down. Robbie kind of, like, tells Kenny, oh, yeah, you know, it's 
it's he's pro hazing. He's just like a little hazing's fine. And I just thought, you know what? It says so much about poor Robbie that like you know his season one friends like essentially bullied him. Like he was hanging out with them, but really they were just like they were in their forties. Yeah, they were in their forties and they were bullying him. And then like Juvie bully, sorry, Sean. He talks about him so yeah. like longingly. Like I oh, know Sean Payne, good guy. I don't know that Robbie knows what friendship looks like, and I, I feel really sad for him. Yeah, you know but that Kenny's like. This is totally normal, Kenny. Your friends are supposed to hate you. Yeah. <laughs> that's how friendship works. And I mean, that's, you know, that's how our friendship works. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's totally healthy. But like, so Kenny goes off to get like five billion different snacks for the Cobra Kai's. And then Hawk returns to form and just basically just like knocks him over, like on purpose, which is a little bit like, <sighs> this is not the early Hawk of the episode who didn't seem like an outright bully. You this think is... Hawk is going to get a little karate son of his own to mentor everyone needs a karate son. i really think that is so. what i have learned from this they're show. gonna start hanging out by the middle school there's <laughs> gotta be like 12 kennys <laughs> all looking for a karate mentor i know and I yet know. no one wants to mentor anthony Ugh. listeners please write in uh if you know who should mentor anthony or penis breath or penis breath but personally i think kyler should mentor mentor anthony and teach him to be a better bully um but we'll, we can talk more about this definitely but in this moment, when Hawk starts bullying Kenny, and then we get, like, the Wonder Twins, Nate and Bert, like, I don't know, like, very unconvincingly trying to bully him as well. Like, this is when, like, the sides emerge. Like, you know, the Cobra Kai step up to defend their boy, and then the Eagle Doe step up to... And then Dimitri joins kind of late after observing that it is weird for a drive-in to have both Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper, right? (laughs) That's crazy. And then he says what we're all thinking, which is like, crap, it's a rumble. Like, you know, it's not the 1950s. He's so tired of rumbles. Yeah, Um, like, it is seriously, like, it is 2022. Like, first of all, why are you at a drive-in movie? Why is there a rumble Drive-in movies are fun, and I kind of like the kind of winky throwback nostalgia like kenny was eating bagel bites they don't fucking make i don't do they make bagel of course bites they anymore? make bagel i bites. don't know but i mean the zoomers today why would are, they ever stop why would they stop making bagel bites 10 year olds right into us eating <laughs> bagel bites after school bagel bites are still cool kids right <laughs> no um anyway um so anyway they get into it and everyone's trading barbs and and mind you what's her face Sorry, Tori was like, "Hey, Sam, like your your mom isn't around anymore to like play peacemaker or whatever." And Sam just looks confused, and it's like, "You don't even know what's happening behind your, your mom's back. already been stolen." Yeah, but you know, Sam doesn't know. Sam is blissfully ignorant. So, like these kind of like silly barbs continue until they agree that they're going to take this rumble to the baseball diamonds. That's me. That's uh, Miguel's suggestion. Um, and what happens oh my God. at the baseball diamond? Like, all the Cobra Kai's are gathered in the middle of the diamond. You know, it's like they're all looking tough and just waiting for their rumble. And then, what should happen? But the sprinklers turn on. Gasp. Oh, and God, they're so wet. The craziest thing, so many crazy things about the scene, is that the Cobra Kai's are just standing in a clump in the middle of the field, getting... And it's like, if you move maybe a foot to the right... You wouldn't be sprinkled on anymore. Right? You would be dry. Or you could just leave. But no, they're just standing there wet and angry. Like, really betrayed by yeah, the fact that they're wet, I guess. 
I don't know. They seem so mad about it. They should have just slowed it down because everyone is just soaking, like staring. And they're not even staring at anybody. And like Hawk is in a car with Miguel. And And they're they're laughing and they're like high-fiving each other. And they're just like, we got him good. And I'm like... Guys, that is the cuckest move of all time. I know. And again, I'm going to I'm gonna single out Hawk here because Hawk is like, the next morning he's like, yeah, you know, that was like a badass move. And he was, he's treating Miguel like he wrote The Art of War. And I'm like, dude, a few episodes ago, like you broke your best friend's arm. Like <laughs> you, like I'm not saying that's a standard, but it's like. Hawk, I don't believe that you think this is this cool. <laughs> what happened to you, Hawk? What happened to the Hawk of your Hawk is dead, guys. <laughs> he is like actually some terrible in-between thing. He is a pod hawk. Like... He doesn't I mean, no, I get it. He doesn't know who he is. Is he a bully or not? Is is he like the kind of guy who would like break arms or does he think that getting people wet is cool? The characterization is wildly uneven. I know. Um I do love that like some respect to Sam, who's the only one in the car who recognizes that this is an incredibly like lame. Like, yeah, and Sam knows move. what lame is. Yeah, she, she wrote the book any- on being a lame coward, and she's just like, "Oh goddamn, I can't believe I'm with these people." And then the next day, like, "Oh yeah, I, I you know what? Hawk wildly inconsistent. Miguel, I do buy that Miguel, who is a just a sweet natured kid, and also like a kid trying to like." do right by the lessons of Daniel LaRusso, who says that avoiding conflict is heroic and all that jazz. I do buy that he's very pleased with himself. And the look on Johnny's face that it's like, you challenged them to a fight, and you didn't show up, and then you turned on the sprinklers. That's what you did. That that is what you decided to do, and you're like all high-fiving each other. Like, he says, and this is like a nicer thing than I probably would have said, uh, which is just like, well, like, you don't think that they're going to like strike back in some way? Come on. Yeah. I, I would have just said like, you guys are lame. Like, go kill yourselves. <laughs> no. And I feel like Johnny of season one probably would have said that um, in harsher terms, but it's Miguel he's talking to. And the thing I think is interesting is that uh, Miguel and Johnny are kind of opposites and like the way they started out in season one. I think that's why Johnny wants to parent him so badly. Um, but you know, like Miguel's like a little rubber band, like he stretched a lot and then now he's kind of like returned to form and that form is a little bit closer to Miyagi-Do. Yeah. I um, mean, and I, that's just I, the truth of that's it. That's just the truth of it. It's as much as it pains me because I love their faux father, faux son relationship. Yeah. Like Miguel's like a, a sweet natured kid closer to a young Daniel LaRusso than, uh, than a young Johnny Lawrence. And, yeah, and then the kind of kid who's like, I got them wet, which is also Daniel LaRusso's go-to move in Karate Kid. Yeah, I know. I love that kind of, like, sneaky throwback, um, because that is the the great scene. Right? (laughs) And then Daniel, of course, comes in being like, I think that that was absolutely great that you got them wet. Um, Which I would have been like, that was a perfectly average action. Just (laughs) all move on with our lives. Right? Even Crease... It cannot, like, get past this. It's like... Oh, my God. This is the best because I think uh, it's so interesting what they're doing with Crease in this season. Um, But, like, you saw a little flash of, like, season one Crease where he's he's not going to let Sprinkler Gate go unavenged, you know? It is a... Yeah. It's an interesting scene because it's like... He he looks at Silver like his students are all complaining about, I don't know, getting soaked. And he's like, you see what we're up against? Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, and the only way that he's able to sort of like add a little shading to that is it reveals that he cares about, 
you know, look what they did to Johnny. Like, it's Johnny's honor that yeah, he's defending. Yeah, it was fascinating how he kind of went to this place. Like, you know, he's, he's like, mad that his students were, were, were attacked by the dreaded sprinklers. And he's like, we got to do something. We got to strike back or strike first or some, something like that. And Terry Silver is like, again, like, I like the voice of reason, Silver. It makes sense given that, like, last episode he, he was just living his ordinary Dynatoc CEO life. He's just like... No, no, man. Like, do not, like, get obsessed with revenge again, okay? We are, we are here to train kids to become winners. We're here to win tournaments. Um, we are not going to, like... Rehash the past. Rehash the past. And that is, like, a refutation of everything all the other senseis in this show right? stand for. Like, Silver suddenly, like, the third-party dojo he we always need. the only one interested in martial arts. Right? Nobody like, else seems to give one. a shit. They're all like, oh, this is a blood feud. Silver's really like, no, we're going to train people for a tournament. And it comes out that, like, you know, he's like, your rivalry with Miyagi is what got you in trouble the first time. That was your mistake. I love that Kreese is like, mistake? I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, you ended up, like, homeless, right? That happened. <laughs> it really did. Go back to season two. But um, it's revealed that, like, you know, the reason that Kreese was so angry at Miyagi that it became this huge rivalry you know, you would be excused for thinking if you'd watched the, the movies that it was, like, just a matter of pride. But apparently, he was infuriated that Miyagi, you know, actually beat his students in order to defend Daniel. And that, like, Johnny Lawrence showed up in the dojo with a black eye. His champion with a black eye. His confidence shattered. What would you think of that? Like, that... I feel like it's true. You would never get any of that from the first movie, I think. I think this is just something they're cleverly it's playing It's a retcon, with. yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a bit of a retcon, and it's fine, because, like, I love that they're taking on the massive task of making Crease a little bit less cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed, we'll talk a little bit more about Crease's transformation, but, you know, some of the things that we've perhaps spoofed, the, the lip filler, the crazy <laughs> tan, it's all a bit more muted. There is less filler. Yes. yes. And is it because he's not getting that sweet, sweet silver money? And he perhaps hasn't been bankrolled by silver in many years. And so, I don't know, he was siphoning off dojo money? But anyway, he's just pulled back. Yeah. And I kind of wish, and you know, I, I, I think that the season is doing a good job of that. I just think it's a little odd that, like, suddenly it's, like, really, like, that this connection with Johnny that fueled his rivalry with Miyagi. It's like... Yeah, but dude, you've had like tons of scenes with Johnny for like two years. And in most of them, you were like just the dick that stole his dojo from him. You know what I mean? Like it's a little odd at this point. Do you think that it's it's like there's so many characters and the writers are just like, this season we're going to focus on this person and we're just going to like put the others on like a a warm setting and just like, because that's what I feel like they're doing in a sense with Miguel. Like he's not they haven't done anything really interesting to his character. Like he was in the hospital and just kind of like, I don't know, like season one was the focus mm-hmm. for him. And then they moved on to other characters, you know, and it's, it's which fine. I don't mind so much. Cause Miguel, like he's kind of already had an arc. Like he doesn't actually need to, I, and I, I I'm interested. Do you think in... his arc is done? Like, oh, yeah, mostly. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, I think his arc, I mean, I think we have already confessed that we have finished the season. Um, and if not, I'm sorry that you had to find out here in the middle of this episode. We'll all move on together. Um, but... We betrayed you, listeners. But... <laughs> <sighs> and we'll do it again. Um, but I think it's 
maybe the final lesson is that, you know, Miguel kind of realizes he doesn't need Johnny as much. Like, he loves him, but... But he doesn't... Maybe, like, that... He doesn't need a fake father as much as he thought he did, or something like that. I, I, I'm interested to see where they go with him next season, because this, like, this season does leave him in an interesting place. The hunt for Mike Barnes. <laughs> God. Mike Barnes is not Miguel's father. Oh, God. No, no more Miguel father's conspiracy theories. We're so early in. God, you're going to have so many more episodes of me saying this. Um, um, but, yeah, like I do think that... Miguel, like, the first season was, like, about him and about his relationship with Johnny. And I think it's okay that, like, subsequent seasons have sort of, like, taken a bit of a step back from focusing on Miguel. Because, you know, I hate it when, like, TV shows are like, shit, what should we do with the character? I know, make him a drug addict. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't need to do that. (laughs) Miguel can still be Miguel. And, like, the plot doesn't need to focus on him so much. That's fine. But... I do think that, like, there's certain things where it's like, guys, you had Crease in the picture for two seasons. Like, if this was, if there was some complexity to his relationship with Johnny, you probably should have, like, planted some seeds there. But, you know, I, I'm splitting hairs. I really do Maybe like Maybe it's season. because it, it takes an external force. Like, for example, like, aspects of, of Johnny's personality came out with Miguel that just didn't, that protectiveness and that kind of, like, sincerity that... You know, he didn't really show to Robbie that we're just activated by the, the kind of person that Miguel is. And maybe that's who Silver is for Crease. Crease didn't had his old war buddy be like, you know what? We're not the same. You know, mm-hmm. we're not in it for the for the same reasons. Like Crease is like war traumatized, rambling on, but then it takes Silver's kind of cool head to realize See right through there him. yeah to realize there is some sort of deeper motivation i don't know they are probably grasping at straws but this is like maybe the most realistic yeah thing they can do with this plot line no and i i appreciate again i'm like i'm basically just insulting seasons two and three because i do think that this season just just in and of itself like does these things to shade crease in like you know you see like, you especially see it because you actually did plant the seeds in the previous season. Like, you see it with him and Tori. And, like, the, yeah. it's not overdone or over the top, but you see that he gives a shit about her. And that's, like, that's, you know, that's a nice way to take a character who I have complained about incessantly. Yeah, you only see Kreese's softer side when he has a character worthy. And, like, he, him and Johnny have not had too many seeds, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, like, maybe you just don't get to see cuddly Kreese. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm just thinking of, like, the second season where it's, like, they had tons of seasons in the second season, and it was just, like, mostly you were just, like, Johnny, come on, dude, why are you, why are you listening to this guy? That was a grifter just trying to get some dojo money, you know? He had survival needs, and now he has a place to rest his head. Now that he's secure in his finances, he can remember how much he likes Johnny, I guess. Yeah, Um, you know, Maslow's Pyramid or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I try to keep it real. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so any other final thoughts on Crease and Silver, which I think is... So, yeah, let's tie up the scene, because Silver says he's not here for Miyagi's like memories. God, and that's all of us, really. Right. Or revenge plots. and But he does say, like... And Crease is like, we're not going to strike back. And he's like, we are, but we're going to do it my old in my own way. And the last scene... Like, kind of set to a bunch of Karate Kid 3 flashbacks. Um, is Silver striding into the backyard. Ah. 
of Miyagi-Do. Um, and it's great. It's just a lovely callback to the third movie. And I love that Daniel looks up. And he's the one having all these flashbacks. And he looks so traumatized. And it's he like, does. that is totally fair. Um, this this guy really did a hell of a mind fuck on you when you were like a teenager. And this cocaine, like, well, yeah, no, he, his hair looks so great. I'm sure Daniel's pretty mad about that too. But yeah, that's like a, that, that's a great way to end the episode. And this episode's kind of, I don't know, man, it's a bit all over the place, but there's good stuff in it. And like I said, it's actually quite like complex in its structure. I know. Um, this is like one of those, buffering episodes where I'm like you know they're laying the groundwork for something big dot 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 right um, and while you're watching it you're like whoa okay there's a lot of beats yeah here. I mean you know I always say there's not enough silver here to go around oh my but God. um anyway I yeah you know um, if it were up to both of us it would just be like the Terry <laughs> Silver and Kyler show and that is a combo that I would have never expected. And you know what? You're here for it, though, right? This show is doing really well, I hear. So we could have, like, 12 more seasons. Season 12. Kyler and Silver. Come on. Silver and penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Um, should we go into... Is there any kind of... I think it's time for... Guys, it's time for the mailbag. Yes, I love doing this because we're, you know, a young podcast, new on the block, um, but once in a while, one of our listeners takes the time to write to us, and it is a goddamn delight. It, it pretty much um, makes our weeks, yeah. So we got an email from a listener, Tim. Hello, Tim. And Tim wrote to us about crease fashion, which is a topic near and dear to my heart. Um I think we got a lot of crease fashion in season three with the peacoat. Oh, the peacoat. And just all of the sweet dojo money um, that was bankrolling. And I think one of the questions that we had was kind of like, how is he affording this? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and Tim writes to us with his theories. Um, he says, one, teaching at Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do, or Eagle Fang may not require much preparation or lesson planning. Um, but... Basically, they're not spending their hours in preparation. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe Which that's in fair. response to our long conversation about how bullshitty both Johnny and, and Daniel's lessons seem. That's true. Yeah. Reason two, Chris doesn't have the family responsibilities of Daniel, nor the off-duty activities of Johnny. Therefore, Chris has a lot of time to shop. Mm. This, I'm going to say, is mm, doesn't really bear water because... You know, Daniel has a family, but it's really a name only. I mean, Amanda's doing the parenting here, okay? Also the working at the car dealership, I believe. Yes, the work um, and family responsibilities but are like the Amanda show. I, Tim, Tim, no, I'm totally with you in that, like, what does Chris do in his off hours when he's not, like, plotting revenge? Probably he shops. He can. <laughs> okay. And then... Three, I think Crease is going to secondhand stores near the Ritzier yes. places in California and picking out great clothes on a budget. I've heard um, if you travel to Salvation Army or Goodwill stores in high-income neighborhoods, merchandise is actually quite good. That is totally true. That is so true. That's yeah. so true. And I can't believe we haven't... I can totally see him going to Salvation Army in mm -hmm. like a fancy neighborhood and just, just shopping. Yeah, man. The man knows how to keep up appearances. You know, when he was like pretending to like be staying at like uh, a fancy hotel when he first ran into Johnny and he was actually like at the shelter. Like he, he knows how to do this. That's true. And I actually think this is like 
talks about power dressing, like the way, you know, you dress for the job that you want. Mm-hmm. And when he was getting ready to steal, you know, Johnny's dojo out from him, you know, he dressed like the head of a dojo. That's right. You know? And I think it's interesting that in this season we're starting to see him like go back to like army army fashion, like pulled back crease. And I think, I don't know, little hints that he's kind of losing his power. Meanwhile, Terry Silver has like a flawless key. I mean, yeah, Terry Silver's also like a Dynatox millionaire, so yeah. he, he's always been dressing to kill. Um, but I like the I, I like the idea of kind of um, the way Kreese dresses, sort of informing his mental state and perhaps financial background. Yeah, I like I, that. I also love the idea of just Kreese taking like an afternoon off to shop. Um, he and Tori hitting up a salvation yeah, army. Yeah, actually, that's what that's what Tim ends with Kreese taking Tori shopping. I yeah. love that. I hope we get a scene of that. Seriously, right? Yeah, season five. I mean, these are two people who, like, can really appreciate a good bargain, and I appreciate that about them. I know, and it's, well, I feel like Tori is kind of in a desperate place where, like, I can see her bonding with Amanda, but, like, her relationship with Kreese is like, all right, fine. Yeah, I like it. It's real. (laughs) Um, Oh, I meant to mention this. So, guys, I found Kreese's jacket online. It's being sold by a place called usajacket.com, and it was marked down. From $279 to $159. And it sounds like I work for usafejacket.com. It really I does. Don't? Do we get like a sponsorship from them or something that I don't know about? I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> did Crease pay $300 for I saw this a jacket? picture of that jacket. It's not the cool navy pea coat that we were swooning over. It's just some <laughs> random jacket. I can't believe it's $159. Oh my God, did USA Jacket just stop sponsoring us? Ugh. Can but... we go to Salvation Army now? <laughs> Um, so that's Kreese power dressing era. I, I want it to come back and, um, you know, I want him to get that lip filler money. It's a little strange. He's not pouting as much. He's not the same. Yeah. Um, Silver's sort of taken over his mojo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We went a lot of crazy places in this episode. Yeah. I'm trying to tie it all back. Uh, my point is, please write to us. I mean, it doesn't have to be about Kreese. It can be about really anything. Um, we're at Cobra Kai Never Dies Cast at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter these days at Kai underscore cast. Um, you, you shout it out and we'll probably mention you, you know. Also, if you'd like to leave us a review uh, wherever you download this podcast and are capable of leaving a review, we would love that. We would love you forever. Is that yeah. desperate sounding? Um, no. I-, I think it says... We're glad we have a listener community, and it's weird and it's wild. Um, we read every email and message that we get, and we're trying to be more online. Um, but we are stingray inside. Yeah. Um, so don't technology don't judge scares us, us sometimes, but we, we try. <laughs> okay, you're rating, Madame. Okay. So again, this episode was like very all over the place. It had some good moments. God, mostly from Robbie. What what has become of the world? I don't wow. understand. Um, I'm gonna give it three cans of Mr. Pib. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have to say I, I'm so confused. I have so many emotions, and it's like all confusing um, because we we went a, a huge journey with Robbie. I think this is the most positive. Yeah. Arc for him. I don't um, know what's happened to us, let alone him. Man, we were so mean to him. Season one and two. <laughs> and three. Holy yeah. God. It took us three years to come around on Robbie. Well um, played, Robbie. Yeah. Slow burn. <laughs> He's playing the long game with us. Um, I'm going to give it three out of five uneaten manwitches. Oh, the saddest yeah. of manwitches. Right. 
Um, okay, ready to close it out? Yeah, we can do that. All right, strike first. Strike hard. Mercy. Mercy.